0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you are looking for a regular battery or a specialty battery, stop into one of the thousands upon thousands of interstate battery retail stores across the United States and talk with a battery expert about the battery that you need. These guys offer high-quality batteries, high-quality customer service, so that's a winning combination right there. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey everyone, welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have an awesome episode Uh, We get into the weeds about arrows, the flight of an arrow, fletchings, the broadhead, FOC, uh, spine. We talk about what makes a good arrow and we get into this conversation with Brian Broderick of Day6 Specialized Gear. These guys sell broadheads and arrows. And there's a couple eye-opening moments in this episode that I feel any archer needs to hear right there's a couple industry going against the grain moments I, I think I would say in here where maybe the information that it, you're being provided isn't the best information but it's an industry standard so therefore it might not be the best for you which means that maybe there's a change needed so I I, I love podcasts like this where we get in deep with the tech talk right and then not not just the tech but the whys behind the tech we talk about arrow speed we talk about the spine we talk about how a majority of bow hunters are probably spine underspine, shoot underspined arrows leading to inaccuracies during arrow flight amongst other things right so Very interesting episode. I'm going to have to put this one up here as one of my favorite Honey Gear podcasts so far just because of the the details that we get into and some of these things that I honestly didn't know and I've been shooting a bow for, man, a long time now. So it's always good to have some uh, eye-opening moments uh, when you're doing these kind of episodes. But it's a really good episode and we're going to start it right now in three two one all right on the phone with me today Mr. Brian Broderick how you doing man
1: good how about you Dan man
0: I can't complain I woke up this morning uh, I was excited because uh, although I can't go hunting today I think I'm going to try to get out tomorrow to go hunting and I woke up to a, a fresh three inches of snow here in Iowa oh
1: man i don't like that stuff
0: (laughs) well especially this time of year i don't mind it like during the rut chasing deer but it's april dude
1: i'm with you i mean we like to froze to death yesterday it was 51 (laughs) where are you out of i'm on the gulf coast i'm right uh, on the mobile bay
0: okay cool and uh today brian here he is the owner right of day six gear
1: Uh, absolutely
0: all right cool and uh would you say that your specialty is arrows
1: uh yeah arrows and broadheads yep
0: okay gotcha and that's what we're going to talk about today man we're going to talk a little bit about all of the gear that you guys uh make over there there at day six we're going to talk about the uh uh the category as a whole and just kind of chit chat about you know chit chat shop if that's okay with you absolutely all right cool well let's talk about arrows Because one thing that, um, you know, let me, let me take a step back. Let me ask you this. What makes, this is a very high level question. What makes a good arrow? Uh,
1: if I had to, let's see, if I had to categorize what's most important, uh, to, to make an arrow, um, uh, accurate, which is, you know, what, what we're looking for. The most important thing is spine consistency. Okay. So you want an arrow that's built to the specs, um, uh, that it says it is. So if it's a 300 spine arrow, you want it to be, you know, over a dozen arrows, 295 to 305 before you even start cutting it, and manipulating it. So you want a very accurate, um, spine. Uh, and that only comes in higher quality arrows. Um, and then uh, straightness and weight tolerance, they are important, but they're not even in the same hemisphere as as spine tolerance. okay? That is the single most important thing. And then, for me, over straightness and um, and and weight tolerance is durability. Okay. Uh, because I don't want an arrow to fail. Um, and, and, and I'm not dismissing straightness and weight tolerance, but cause ours are, you know, 1000 straightness and our weight tolerance is within plus or minus two grains over a dozen. Um, but they really pale in comparison to the importance of, of spine accuracy and durability in my book.
0: Okay. So you mentioned a lot right there in that, Mm -hmm. uh, in that description, but let me ask you this. You you go on any arrow website, right? And you can see the, the weight tolerances and you can see the, the straightness, right? Right. And and you mentioned consistency there. So does that mean that an arrow, if it's consistently off of and you guys are, what'd you guys say? Your point oh 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 one 0.0001 of a tolerance and straightness? Correct. Okay. So if, and, and that's a consistent level you're doing that at. If it is a 0. 0.01 or a point whatever, and there is a, let's just say this hypothetical bend in an arrow, but it's consistent, is that still a good thing? Or is that the straighter the arrow, the better?
1: Well, the straighter the better, but, um, so what I would say to to it is, is you basically have one thousandths, zero, zero, one, one thousandth straightness. That means that on average, um, uh, over the length of that arrow, it's not going to be out plus or minus one thousandths of an inch. So it's like a one thousandth straightness arrow is actually two thousandths. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Combined, but it's not over plus or minus high or low one. Okay. Um, And then then you have three thousandths and six thousandths and then you get beyond that in the real, real cheap, cheap stuff. Gotcha. Um, Here's what I would tell you. We sell one thousand straightness arrows just because of obsessive personalities and attention to detail. At the end of the day, um, a human can't shoot. They, they, a human cannot shoot and notice the difference between a 1,000th and a 3,000th straightness arrow.
0: Okay.
1: They physically can't do it. Um, not the greatest shooter in the world. Um, uh, 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 the greatest shooter in the world can't notice a difference in 10 grains between arrows. So those things are not truly noticeable for... Um, uh, for a human shooter. I mean, it just, it just, it's not, it just doesn't register. So, but what does register is the spine consistency, because if the arrow flexes differently from arrow to arrow to arrow, based on the different amount of spine, um, that's where you have all your problems. And what people don't realize is, is that, um, like when you get, uh, when you drop from a 1,000th straightness arrow to a thousandths or to a six thousandths, that basically is a culling process, okay? They're going through that arrow and they're checking it for weight, straightness, and spine. Well, a lot of times when you drop an arrow to the to the three thousandth bin or the six thousandth bin, it's not just straightness that they're dropping there. They're also dropping, it may not meet the proper spine. Um, that arrow doesn't get thrown away uh, in in all your other companies. It just gets dropped into a lower tolerance category, but it's it's basically sold under the straightness tolerance category, but it's also spine and weight and all that. So when you're buying an arrow that has you know a lesser uh, straightness tolerance, It also has been put into that bin for other reasons as well. So um, that's one thing that the the industry does not tell the consumer. That's why we only do 1,000 straightness arrows. We only want the top quality primo shafts out of a lot that are 1,000 straightness. They do meet the weight tolerance and, most importantly, If they're a 300-spine arrow, they're 300-spine. They're not 270 or 330.
0: Um, Okay, so with that said, so you're saying that there's other companies out there within the industry that have a bigger uh, margin of error in what they're actually reporting that they allow to be called, uh, let's say, a a 300-spine arrow?
1: There's a huge margin of error. Uh, uh, I'm not going to speak to any other companies. I always right. only talk about day six. Yeah. Um. So I don't cut other people's feet off to make myself look taller.
0: No. Right. What
1: What I'll say is is that the accepted industry standards for arrows is very loose.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And that's that's basically what I'll say.
0: Yeah. So, and it's it's funny you say that because I've watched a you know i'm a youtube guy just like everybody else is they go there and they they look for information on arrows and you see these guys weighing you know they'll they'll build an arrow and then you'll see a, a five ten grain difference in every arrow um that they shoot and it you know not again not getting into brand specific but there is a a big you know obviously as an archer it's all about consistency and you want everything to be the same um and when you're messing around with, you know, 5 10 grains up and down from what, you know, let's just say you have a a 400 grain arrow. Some of them weigh 390, some of them weigh 410, uh that or even even more than that. That that to me just screams inconsistency.
1: Well, if I'm being honest, uh it it doesn't matter. Okay. Um If, if that 400, say uh, that 400 grain arrow let's say that it was a 400 spine, if you, if you built it, which let me back up, we don't build arrows like that. We, we don't sell arrows like that, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, create this, this scare propaganda that if you're not within two, you know, two grains across a dozen arrows, you're not going to be accurate. I, I, I don't lie. So, um. No one can shoot that well. You can't shoot 10 grains difference, so don't worry about it. The, 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 the thing is, is if they're 400 spine arrows, that's where you want to be really hyper-focused to make sure that they are all very close to 400 spine. But here's where the weight indicator really tells you what's going on. It's a real simple way to think about it. So if you have 20 grains difference, say 10, 10 grains plus or minus – So you go from 390 to 410, now you've got a 20-grain delta. The only way that those arrows can be heavier or lighter is if there's less material or more material in the arrow, right? Right. And if there's less material and more material, that means that the wall thickness is not consistent, which means that it's going to be a great indicator to tell you that the spine is not consistent because the wall thickness is what generates, whether it's a 400 spine arrow or 300 spine arrow, It's how much material is used, okay? So, the weight is not as important a factor as your accuracy, but what it, how it is important is it's a, it's a basically a, um, a warning bell to tell you, hey, if these things are plus or minus 20 grains, you're probably going from a 375 spine to a 425 spine okay because you have that much difference in in material going into that air shaft
0: got ya so it's almost like th- there's this this handshake between total arrow weight and spine
1: it is it well, I mean it's just it's just common sense yeah. it's less material more material it, it's it's uh you know nothing fancy no scientific stuff there it's just just simple, simple math. Right. <laughs> so
0: um, that's it. With, with with that said, then, if there was a robot who had the exact same form every time he had the exact, you know, his release was the same. You know, we're talking about an equation now where the. A, a hooter shooter. Yeah. Where yeah. the the very vari- the only variable is the arrow. Right? right. And is there differences in, let's say. 25 to 50 grain total arrow weight down down range uh
1: when you start getting that that much yes there is um i would say that uh 25 grains you could notice at um say 60 70 yards and beyond uh 50 grains you can notice you know, uh, 30 yards yeah. and beyond. Um, so that, that is, it really, that is where, you know, the, the, the downrange accuracy is where the weight will start to uh, kind of show its face.
0: Okay. But at the end of the day, spine consistency, it kind of trumps everything. Yes. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So I, I'm, I'm online and there's this there's been this huge debate recently about total arrow weight right and i think it was in 2010 i was shooting a i guess an average arrow an average total arrow weight i'm I'm thinking it was high 300s i don't think it broke 400 and i shot a buck in the shoulder it was like the biggest buck of my life uh probably 210 inches a nine-year-old buck um hit him in the the actually i think it was like i hit him high potentially the spine bone or the shoulder and it i had no penetration yeah right um could have been a number of things that went wrong there but now there's this debate there's this debate online between guys who want to go basically shoot a crowbar at a deer or an animal and then there's the guys who are still in that hey you don't need that you just need to be um i don't know you need to be You need to be accurate and you need to be fast, right? Right. What is your take on that?
1: Uh, I, my take is the heavier the better, um, but not at the expense of aeroflight. So, um, aeroflight is the number one. It's, it's, if there's, if there's 10 things that contribute to, uh, to penetration, um, arrow flights, the first eight (laughs) in my book. Yeah. So, um, if you have a perfectly flying arrow, uh, and all of that energy is focused in a tight, uh, compact spinning projectile, that's, that's focused all behind the head. Weight is not that important. Um, but most guys are never going to get their bows to that point. And then when you get in hunting situations, you're not going to be able to perform that perfect backyard, perfect form, perfect release shot. I mean, half the stuff I shoot, I've got a, you know, a leg looped around a, a tree and I'm hanging off the back, you know, um, you can't, you can't perform like that, like it basically a wind tunnel performance. Um, so what you've got to do is you've got to slow that arrow down a little bit because what you're, everybody knows the faster something g- goes, the more volatile it is, the more sensitive it is, uh, whether you're driving a car, riding a motorcycle, running a boat, whatever, faster you go, the more sensitive it is, the quicker it gets out of whack. The slower you go, the more stable it is. So if you slow that arrow down, and you can slow it down by adding a little weight, you're doing a couple of things. Number one, you're reducing that, that wind force on your broadhead, um, which is trying to push it all over the place. The other thing that you're doing is when you slow that arrow down by adding weight, you're actually making your bow more efficient. Um, in simple terms, if you consider your bow is a 100-horsepower engine, and you shoot a 400-grain arrow, say you're a 70-pound draw guy, and you shoot a 400-grain arrow, well, you're getting about 70 horsepower out of that 100-horsepower engine because 30 horsepower is going back into the bow in the form of vibration, noise, you know, all that jazz. Um, If you match the properly weighted arrow to that 70-pound bow that's 100 horsepower, and you and that heavier arrow can absorb all 100 horsepower, it's the most efficient. And, and the very simple way to look at it for people is, is that if your bow shooting 300 feet per second with a 400-grain arrow, and then you put a 550-grain arrow on, but you only drop to, say, 270, well, you basically, you know, increased your arrow weight by what... Um, uh, what 30% but you only dropped in speed uh 10% so that tells you right there you were never using all the energy from your bow. right if you were you would drop in speed 30% does that make sense
0: yeah it does it does so this is where a lot of guys you know uh vibration or uh, I guess the term is hand shock Right. If you feel that hand shock, it may be one of the reasons potentially could be you're shooting too light of an arrow. Usually is usually is. Okay. So then as that, as that energy is transferred from the bow at full draw through the, you know, through the shot process. Right. If, if more of that energy is absorbed by the arrow, the less hand shock that you will have on that bow.
1: Yeah, the energy's going into the arrow. It's not going back into the bow because okay. the arrow's too light and can't absorb it.
0: Man, that's awesome. That's yep. cool. This that's the stuff I kind of really geek out on, right? And yeah. so when um is there a perfect arrow weight combination yeah. like I don't you, you know like there's always 8 grains eight per pound. 8 grains per pound of draw weight? Yeah. So if
1: you've got a 70-pound bow, you should shoot, and you're a, let's call it a a 29-inch draw guy, or say a 30-inch draw guy. Um, Because most bows are designed and tested at optimum peak performance at 30 inches, right? Okay. Which is stupid, because the average draw length is 28. But you can't get the high numbers for the advertising if you measured them at 28. So... So, thirty-inch Listen, inch listen guys, to that,
0: people. Listen yeah. to what that what he said there. Advertising, advertising should not be a word used in research and development.
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, if, if if the archery industry had the bow hunter's best interest in in mind, they would basically put their stats up to what eighty percent of their consumer is, which is a 28 inch draw guy, right? But
0: right.
1: they don't do that. They put the stats up to what 10% of their consumer is, which is a 30 inch draw guy.
0: 30 inch so, at a lighter than average than, uh, underweighted arrow, right?
1: Yeah. Underweighted underspined. Yeah. Something that's never going to perform properly. Yeah. So it's, it's an incredible, uh, disservice that's done, but it's just the way it is. Um, so, um uh, so if you're a thirty inch draw guy with a seventy pound bow and you you know and you're gonna match uh, you know an eight eight grain per pound arrow, you're gonna be about five sixty right okay so if you drop to a twenty nine inch draw, yeah you're gonna lose a little performance because as you start dropping in draw length, you have a less of a power stroke and the and the bow is not performing the same okay, and just so in simple terms so people can understand. A guy with a 27-inch draw at 70 pounds is going to push, say, a 500-grain arrow a certain speed. A guy with a 30-inch draw with the same bow can push that same weighted arrow the same speed at 65 pounds. Okay. So it's just more efficient. Right. So when you drop to 29 inches, you can take a little off and say, okay, well, that needs to be around
0: 550
1: you drop to 28, that arrow should be around 540. You can kind of whittle a little off. And this is all just rough numbers. It doesn't have to be exactly that. Just get in that ballpark. Um, Because, you know, a, a guy drawing 27 inches is not the equivalent of a guy drawing 30 inches if they're both pulling 70 pounds. So you don't want to have that same formula. Right. A guy drawing 27 inches, man, you know, Drop you know drop that down to a 525 30 grain arrow, because you're basically the equivalent of the guy with the 30 inch draw pulling 65. Um, and so that is how you kind of match up that that kind of weight to a, to your bow, uh, so you're utilizing the energy the most efficiently. Um, and you can go heavier than that, and you'd be really surprised in as you add weight and went heavier that the, the, your return, as far as your weight loss, I mean, your speed loss and things like that, it's minimal. It is minimal. It is, um, uh, you know, uh, it's like, if you go from a 400 to a 500 grain area, you may lose 30 feet per second. But if you go from a 500 to a 600, you may only lose another 10. Okay. Because what's happened is, is you've gotten up into that efficient range of that bow. I'm, let's go back to the 100 horsepower because it's just a round number. If you were shooting a 400-grain arrow, you're really only getting 70 horsepower out of the bow. But you get up to, you know, 8 grains per pound and a heavier arrow, you're using all 100 horsepower. Yeah. Well, if you go to, say, 9 grains per pound and shoot a 600-grain arrow, you're still getting, like, 90 horsepower. Yeah. it's 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 – you follow what I'm saying,
0: yeah, 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 it's
1: a point of diminishing return there, so you almost can't go too heavy, but you can certainly go too light,
0: gotcha, because um, the spine absorbs the energy and is not delivered through the arrow at that point, that's right, okay, all right, so my calculation here is this year I weight um I bumped up to a five hundred and twelve total arrow weight at yep. twenty nine inches at 70 pounds so eight grains times 70 is 560 grains um and that's 70 pounds um where does the draw length play into that equation
1: well that's what i just that's what i just kind of went through okay so gotcha that five that five sixty would be for a 30 inch draw guy
0: gotcha Okay. So
1: for you, at, at 29, you just whittle a little off of that, and you'd be, five, say, 550.
0: 550.
1: And then for a 28-inch draw guy, you'd be like 540, and so on and so forth, to just kind of drop down a little bit.
0: Okay. So, so like
1: the perfect arrow weight for you, in my mind, would be around 550 grains.
0: Okay. So I even need to bump it up just a hair more, and probably I can do that with – does it have to be in the arrow itself, or can I bump up another 25 to – Uh, 30 grains on let's say point weight point weight yeah like you can
1: but you but but this is one thing that people need to hear because you know you've got all this bs on the on the youtube and insta google stuff um about the foc crap and you can't just start lobbing weight on the front of your arrow because that changes what's called the dynamic spine so if an arrow is 300, a 300 spine arrow, when it's static and just laying on a table, it's a 300 spine arrow. When you cut it, you change, you're manipulating it. When you cut it shorter, you're making it stiffer. Okay. Right. When you add weight to the front, you're making it weaker. So you can't just put weight on the front of an arrow that you're already shooting and not uh, and not understand that it's going to weaken the spine. So you may have your bow perfectly tuned, bare shafts flying like darts. You can't just throw weight on the front of it to get your weight up. You've got to do a combination of a few things. You may have to shorten the arrow an inch and then add 50 grains to get a net to get it to balance out. You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and let's say there's only so much that a guy can do to – yeah. Li- his this this equation that we've been talking about is it if it comes to adding weight at the front or at the back or splitting the difference and maybe doing uh i don't know heavier knock or more fletchings or uh i don't know i'm sure they make uh, weights for the back end of an arrow too as much as they do for uh, um i guess an insert up front is there is it better to split that between the whole arrow or just put it in one place or the other?
1: Uh, that, that's a loaded question. Um, so let's say you were trying to get your arrow weight up, say, 40 grains, so 40, 50 grains, okay? Okay. But you've already got your arrows built and you've already got them, you know, they're already cut and you don't want to have to go buy more arrow shafts. So let's say that you throw... 25 grains on the front of your bow of front of your, you know, go from hundred to 125 grain point. And you've now weakened the spine of that arrow because you can't change the length. But what you can do is you can say, refletch them and add like a seven inch wrap in the back. Okay. Okay. And add, you know, 12 grains in wrap. You can go to a four fletch and add another nine. So you basically, if you put weight in the back, it stiffens an arrow. If you put weight in the front, it weakens it. So you can literally offset what you're doing in the front, in the back and not change the spine of your arrow. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So if you can, and you don't have to match it grain for grain, you know, you put 25 in the front and you put 15 in the back, you're close enough. You're not going to notice that spine difference. You know, you can't shoot that good. A machine can't shoot that good.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, th- that's a lot of all the stuff that we've been talking about in the last, you know, twenty eight minutes here. That's a mm-hmm. that's a lot for someone to consume if they've never thought about this before. Is there yeah. is there something simple, uh, you know, like a uh, uh, an arrow building for dummies sentence or something that you can say that can maybe. Have a guy go, Jesus! I've been doing this all wrong, and now they're starting to get stressed or whatever. Is there something that you can tell them to calm well, them the, down? The easiest eat- thing
1: to do, yeah. I mean, the easiest thing to do is is talk to somebody that that you know uh, has it figured out. Okay. That that is that is it. I mean, I, I like I literally tune bows over the phone every day. Um, you know, guys may not have a good shop near them, or they. You know, whatever for whatever reason, there's lots of guys out there that can help. Right. Uh, if you've got a guy that's got his set up totally dialed, I mean, that's the guy you need to be leaning on to help you. You know, fortunately, there's lots of guys like me out there that have uh, companies and resources that you can reach out to and say, "Hey, here's what I shoot: 70 pound, you know, Matthews VXR, 29 inch draw." What, you know, what would you recommend? You know, I'm not a speed freak. I don't care about that. I want the most efficient setup for being as proficient as possible on animals. And that's where I'm going to say, okay, well, let's try to figure out a way to build you an arrow in that 550 grain range. I know what spine it's going to take. I know what kind of combination it's going to take, because, you know, there's a lot of guys like me out there that have to basically set up dozens of bows a day, you know, you have to basically build an arrow system dozens a day for guys. Yeah. So you, you you know, if a guy calls me with that bow and that draw length and that setup, odds are I've already set up a dozen guys in a week just with the exact same rig, you know? Right. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, what I would say the most important thing for guys to do It's a real simple process. You don't need paper. You don't need chronographs. You don't need any of that stuff. You basically need to have a bear shaft and a fletched arrow. You need to sight that fletched arrow in at 25 yards. Make sure that you can basically touch arrows at 25 yards every time, which is very easily achievable. Um, And then you need to shoot that bear shaft. Totally built up, except the only thing it's missing is the fletching. Shoot that bear shaft and see where it hits in relationship to the fletched arrow. And that bear shaft's going to tell you everything you need to know. It's going to tell you whether it's weak-spined, over-spined. It's going to tell you whether it's uh, your center shot is off, which the center shot is uh, probably the, the lion's share of guys that have problems uh, with their bows. Um, but it's going to tell you those things. And then there's lots of resources, um, to, to basically decipher, you know, what information you're getting from where that impact point is with that bear shaft.
0: Okay. So Um, center shot real quick. What's that terminology?
1: Okay. So the string is traveling in a straight line. It's pushing the arrow in a straight line. And if the rest is not dead center in the path of that string, you're going to, it's going to kick. Gotcha. Like shooting around a corner.
0: Gotcha. So yeah. it's going to, it's going to be, you're going to be shooting at an angle. So basically it's, uh, from where the arrow is knocked to where the rest is, that has to be perfectly level.
1: No, that, nope. no, that's, that's up and down. What I'm okay. saying is, is the, 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 the travel of the string. The string is the string is going completely, you know, it's going straight forward.
0: Oh, knock! Uh, what's that called? Is that called knock travel?
1: Well, that is knock travel, but it's not really. No. Okay. So, all right. So, when you release when you release the string, it's going to go. Let's say that it's going to go uh, at a heading of 180 degrees. Okay, straight ahead. But you, but as it's go as it's going forward and the arrows going forward in a plane, your rest may be at 170 degrees. It may be off. so the string's trying to go straight but the rest is off to the left a little bit. I gotcha. So it's 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 putting that arrow in a bind and forcing it around the corner. So it's coming off the bow where it's having to basically like shoot around the corner okay gotcha so that is, that is 90% of people's problem. Okay. And so you, when you look at your arrow and your, and your rest and, you know, people will set the rest up 13 sixteenths from the inside of the riser to the center of the rest. And that's true square center of the bow, but that bow may not be perfectly true. The top limb may be leaning over to the left, you know, um, a sixteenth of an inch. The bottom limb may be leaning over a sixteenth of an inch. The cam may be leaning over this way. There's all these different things to where the true center point of where that string wants to travel may not be the true center point of that riser shelf. So when you have your arrow sitting on your bow and you look down, you know how it's perfectly in line with your stabilizer? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you that With most bows, if that arrow is perfectly parallel with your stabilizer, it's probably not tuned because there's very few bows that are actually true center and the string travels true center.
0: Okay. Is that, is that something that has to be done in a bow shop to fix or is it just manufacturing tolerances?
1: It's manufacturing tolerances. So you got, you got two ways of doing it. Okay. You can move your rest left and right to where you get, basically get the rest if you can basically picture your rest like a ring, and you're trying to push the arrow through that ring without touching the wall, the inside wall of the ring. Okay. So if that ring is off to the left or the right, that arrow is going to be rubbing on
0: one side of it. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha.
1: Yep. So what you're trying to do is is you're trying to move your rest left and right so when you shoot, there's no contact with the in the ring, the arrow goes right through it and doesn't make any contact. And that way the rest is not manipulating or changing the path of what that arrow wants to naturally take. Gotcha. Yeah. Once you do that, you don't need veins. You don't need fletchings. You don't need anything. You can shoot bare shafts as far as you want to shoot. Then when you put your veins on, their only job is to offset the steering and the planing of a broadhead.
0: Okay. All right. That's a kind of an eye-opening that's kind, so so if your bow bow is tuned 100% perfectly m- the most efficient it can be an arrow doesn't necessarily need fletchings.
1: It doesn't. No, it's not necessarily. It doesn't need fletchings. It doesn't. No. <laughs> no.
0: That's the crazy. Only thing
1: that, so think about this. Think about when you have your your the front end of your truck or your car is out of alignment, right? Right and it's wanting to pull to the right, so you're having to take the steering wheel and pull it back to the left to keep it going straight. Well, that's what the fletching's doing on an improperly tuned shaft. Okay. The shaft's wanting to go right because the rest with the center shot or whatever is planing it that way, but the fletchings are pulling it hard back left, so they're already under load and stress fighting that arrow, okay? But if you get it to where the, the that bare shaft will just fly perfect without them, Then the fletching is just along for the ride. Then when you put the surface area of a broadhead on the front and it's grabbing air and doing all its things, well, let's say that you've got, you know, um, one square inch of broadhead surface on the front that's, you know, trying to do its own thing. Well, you've got six square inches of veins in the back that totally dominate the planing surface of the front of that broadhead. I gotcha. So it basically just kicks its butt. It can't, it doesn't let it do what it wants to do. It's just, it's overpowering it. So, but if those veins are having to steer that arrow and then you throw the broadhead on there and they're having to do that too, now the arrow and the broadhead are kicking the veins,
0: butt. I gotcha. So as, so as long the, the reason that fletchings are even on an arrow is to control the broadhead.
1: Well, for bow hunters, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: so do I? Don't I? Don't even I guess I, I've never even noticed this. Do field point archers, like competition archers, have fletchings on their arrows?
1: They do, but if you look at them, they're tiny,
0: tiny. Okay.
1: Tiny, tiny, tiny.
0: Yep. Gotcha. I gotcha, yep. man. That's crazy. A lot of lot of uh, really good information out of this, man. I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and this is some of the first times i've ever heard this you know this type of content about arrows and and broadheads and fletchings and the toe all this stuff so this is awesome man I, I, i'm geeking out right now but i want <laughs> to i, I want to take some time to talk about day six so okay with with everything that you've just said how does day six play into everything that you've just said
1: Well, it's, it's really simple. Um, I was fortunate at a young age to work in a uh, hunting and fishing store. And, um, and it was kind of when the modern compound was really coming to life. Uh, It was back in the late eighties. And, uh, you know, I got to see a lot of really cool companies come to life while we were, while I was there. And, um, and I got an education on, you know, setting up bows, tuning bows, uh, you know, when I was in my late teens in high school and then early in college while I worked there. And I got that education, uh, on very early stage, modern compounds, which were very difficult to tune, not near what we have now. So I had this incredible foundation. So as I moved forward through my bow hunting life, um, I had this incredible foundation and everything just made sense to me. And it was very easy for me to always have my bow and everything tuned properly, understand efficiencies, understand what you needed to, to get good penetration. So I, you know, it just that foundation provided a great base of knowledge for me. So what I saw was everyone I hunted with had no clue. They literally took their bow in a month before the season, bought some arrows. You know, you ask them what arrow do they shoot? They say 28 inches. They don't know what spine it is. They don't know what it means. They know 28-inch arrow, Thunderhead 125. Right. That was it. And so they didn't understand what they had and why they had it and what it did, and they didn't understand why they had very, poor experiences with regards to bow hunting and penetration and being successful. Yeah. And yeah. so I spent a lot of time helping those close to me understand it and setting their bows up for them and, and making them more efficient. It's extremely rewarding for me. Um, but I also knew when I worked in that shop that I was stuck in that shop all the time when I wanted to be hunting And the guys that worked for themselves and were successful in business, they hunted a lot and they got to go do the things that I was dying to do. So I knew that being in that shop or being in a shop was not in the cards for me because I wasn't going to be able to do the things I wanted to do. So I spent the last 25 years, you know, in, you know, business for myself, but my dream was always to circle back to hunting and and helping guys get set up so this is a quality of life thing for me now um i talk to dozens of guys a day just like my buddies i've hunted with the last 30 years they just don't know where to start and i can take them from zero to the finish line and help them understand it and understand their equipment and their gear and why things are doing what they're doing so the next go around they don't need me they don't, they don't need to be consulted. They understand what's going on and they can be more efficient and knowing your gear and knowing what it's doing. You're just, you're taking that variable out of the equation to be successful. And man, everybody gets a great opportunity at a great animal every year. It's very few are the guys that capitalize on every opportunity. Yeah. Most people walk away with a story. Yeah. If you'll pay attention to the guys that close the deal the majority of the time they've got their act together and you need to figure out what they're
0: doing. Right. Right. Well, I tell you what, and you know, I, I, I will say something that uh, I, uh, I do, I, I do use your, your arrows and that's why I wanted you uh, on the, this podcast. I mean, I, I felt confident with them uh, this last year and regardless of my, knowledge base and I, I think confidence has a lot to do with how you perceive performance as well right so for for me when I ever I get a, um, a a product whether it's archery or not and I perform and that task is easier or I'm better at that task because of something I look at that and go it must be this thing right so not only learning about you know, what you've just said throughout this whole podcast it makes sense and it kind of reflects the day six brand and, and the products as a whole. But just for me, I felt confident using that product because I feel like I became a better archer when I did that.
1: Well, you just, you just, you, you, you got a product that matched up to your bow. Yeah. Um, and you're basically feeding your bow the food it wants. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 confidence is that's everything in bow hunting. And, you know, I've spent the majority of my 35 years as a bow hunter now, uh, as a traditional bow hunter shooting trad bows, um, not until the last four or five years that I get back into compound archery. And the only reason I got back into compound archery is so I could be totally up to date, dialed in, in tune with what modern archery, uh, is, is, uh, you know, has available for hunters. I wanted to be able to, to, you know, know it inside and out so I could help the 90% of the guys that call because 90% of them are compound guys. They're not trad guys. Right. So I've spent, you know, the last four or five years really digging back into the compound industry and in the compound hunting. And what I've seen is that, as a whole, all of the new technology that has been created and generated for bow hunters. Um, other than the bows, the bows are fantastic. Um, but everything that goes on the bow and everything that goes with it, all of that technology has taken hunters away from the direction of success. Yeah. It's taken them straight towards, um, um, uncertainty and variables and opportunity for failure. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, there's a guy like me saying, Hey, this is, this is what's worked for me. I think this is how you should set it up. You have a 0% chance of failure, but the industry is telling them you've got to have all these bells and whistles and gadgets and springs and moving parts. And that's not what bow hunting is about. You have got to eliminate every single percentage of, of, uh, the possibility of failure. Eliminate all variables.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. Well, I tell you what, uh, I wish I had more time to talk with you today, but we got some some time constrictions here. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast and chit chat with us. If people want to find out more about day six, where should we send them?
1: Uh, well, we, our website is day six gear, and then we're on Instagram at day six gear. And, uh, you know, I, I am, I am the guy that answers the phone. Uh, I have guys that work for me, but I don't have anybody answer the phone for the company. I do it myself. So I talk to every customer. So if you need help, you need to try to understand what you got going on. All you gotta do is call me because that's why I'm doing this. So,
0: yeah, there you go. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. You bet. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the hunting gear podcast, man. I really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. I'm telling you right now, and this may be biased, but I feel that this hunting gear podcast offers a lot of information to guys who are looking to take the next step into educating themselves on their hunting gear right we talk to a lot of people who know a lot of things and uh, i'm i hope that that is translating into your education so thank you for tuning in and then thank you to brian today for hopping on and dropping some knowledge bombs on us about uh, arrows arrow flight broadheads fletchings all that stuff man Uh, i i got an education as well and i love when that happens because i feel that makes for real good content If you guys want to subscribe and I strongly suggest you subscribe to the hunting gear podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever you download your episode and subscribe, share with your friends, uh, lots of information, hit me up on nine finger chronicles uh, on Instagram or Facebook and send me a DM of a company or a category that you would like us to kind of cover. And we'll do that. And Me and Bob will hop on the phone and we'll chat about it, and then we'll get a special, a specialist, a specialist, a a specialist. Man, I can't talk right now. A specialist on the phone to uh, discuss even further. And the cool thing about this podcast was, yeah, this guy's from Day Six, but we talked in generalities, and he didn't really push his product. And we didn't really focus on his product a lot. We focused on the knowledge that this guy has behind his company and in the industry as a whole. So that's a win if you ask me. Other than that, uh, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I already said that. Be sure to follow the Sportsman's Nation. Go to sportsmansnation.com and check out the all of the podcast. And remember that's S-P-O-R-T-S-M-E-N-S nation.com.